Good morning. I'm Pastor Dan of Life Church, and today we're concluding our message series entitled Courageous Leadership. Now, in this series, we've been learning from the life of Joshua, one of the most courageous and godly leaders in the Old Testament. And this morning, our final message in this series is entitled Lead for the Future. We're going to be looking at the last two chapters in the book of Joshua. And in these chapters, Joshua gives his last instructions to the people of Israel, just as Moses did before he died. And in these last instructions, we're going to learn and see some of the life wisdom that Joshua learned from serving God for close to 110 years. Joshua had led Israel into the promised land, conquered the nations that opposed them. And at this point in Joshua's life, his, his time on earth was almost over. And he was looking back over his life and encouraging the people of Israel for the future. And I believe that we today will glean some important lessons for each of our lives. Now, our attention can be focused on, on three different times in our lives, the past, the present, and the future. Each time period is important for us to consider from a biblical, biblical perspective. A life that is lived focused on just one time period, for example, the past, Will not be a balanced or productive life. So let's take a brief look at what the Bible has to say about each time period. Psalm 77 verse 11 and 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And so in these verses, the psalmist is encouraging us to look to the past and remember what God has done. As we remember what miracles God has done, both in the Bible, in history, and in our lives, it leads us to worship Him, and it gives us faith for the present. Regarding the present, Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so right now, of course, each one of us lives in the present. In the present, we ought to always be giving thanks to God for all the blessings that we are experiencing. Even though we may be going through tough times, there's always something to give thanks for. And an attitude of thanksgiving in the present can save us from much negative thinking and worry. Regarding the future, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I have set before you life and death blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Now, these verses are from Moses' words at the end of his life. Moses was encouraging the people of Israel to make a commitment for the future. The future could either bring life or death blessing or curse. To have life and blessing, we must choose to love the Lord, obey his voice, and hold fast to him. Now, right now, each of us, indeed our whole country, is living in a time of uncertainty and peril. We're still facing a worldwide pandemic. Although medicine with God's help has made great strides in treating the disease, it is still a danger to our nation. No one knows how long it will be before the risk level is significantly reduced. We are also in an election season in 2020 with, with the most radically different choices our country has ever seen. 
The world in which we live is is full of nations, some of which are dangerous and unpredictable. Persecution of Christians around the globe continues to increase. How do we face such a time as this with faith? Well, first of all, we must be rooted in the past. The Bible gives us a record from creation to the present of how God moves and works in history. We must not forget the history of America, the most exceptional nation that has ever existed. America founded upon biblical principles that were written down in our Constitution. Many lives have been sacrificed in the past to bring us the freedoms that we enjoy today and must be fought for to enjoy tomorrow. We must not forget the past of our denominational family, the Assemblies of God, founded in 1914 to spread the gospel around the world. And through a huge missionary outreach that continues to this day, Assemblies of God is now the largest spiritual denomination in the world, numbering 70 plus million people. And finally, we must not forget what God has done in our individual lives, guiding us and working miracles. Remembering the past gives us faith to trust God in the present. Walking with God gives us wisdom for the present. And finally, we, we look to God with anticipation for the future. He will be with us every step of the way in the future, just as he has been in the past. Although we will not have heaven on earth until Jesus returns one day, heaven will come to earth and Jesus will rule over all. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, As it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And so the end of the story of history is being written in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. The things that God has planned for us in eternity is beyond our imagination. And so wherever you are at in life's journey, be encouraged this morning. Today we're going to learn from the end of the story of Joshua's life how to live for the future in a perilous time. The first principle we want to learn today is to remember God's promises. Joshua chapter 23 verse 3, Joshua begins and says, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all those nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. And so Joshua begins his final speech to Israel with these words. He reminds the people that God had promised the land of Canaan to them. Now Canaan was occupied by many hostile and decadent pagan nations, but the Lord fought for Israel and enabled them to be able to defeat the Canaanites and take possession of the land. And yet, even at this point in Joshua's life, there were still portions of the land that needed to be conquered. And Joshua reminds the people that God's promise still stands. As he had helped them in the past, he would help them in the future to completely possess the promised land. Joshua then goes on to remind the Israelites what it would take for them to complete the conquest of, of Canaan. He says in verse 6, Therefore be strong, very strong, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, 
that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. And so he reminds the people to be strong, just as God had commanded Joshua in the beginning. They must obey all of God's laws and they must not be influenced by the pagan nations still remaining. They must not serve or worship the idols that were all around them. Then and only then would they be able to see God's promise of the land completely fulfilled. Joshua goes on in verse 14 and says, And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Joshua is letting the people know the Lord is about to take him home and he gives testimony to the fact that God has kept every promise he had made to his people. Every promise had come to pass, not a single one had failed. And so the people could expect the same would be true in the future. And yet we know that every promise of the Lord to Israel and to us is conditional. There were conditions that must be met before God would fulfill his promise. We've already read what the Israelites would have to do in order to inherit the promise of the land completely. And now Joshua goes to remind the people what would happen if they did not follow God's instructions. In verse 16, he says, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. And so the promise of the land was conditional. If Israel did not obey God's commands, if they served and worshiped the gods of the pagan Canaanite nations, their promised blessing would be gone. God would be angry with their sin and would drive them from the promised land. And indeed, ultimately, Hundreds of years later, that is sadly what eventually happened. Joshua was showing the nation of Israel the importance of remembering God's promises. Now, God's word in the Bible contains many promises for us as believers today. Some scholars estimate that there are at least 9,000 promises in the Bible. There's a promise for every situation you may find yourself in. Now, how do God's, how do we get God's promises to be fulfilled in our lives? First of all, you need to know the promises. I'm not suggesting you must memorize 9,000 promises. But as you read your Bible daily in a systematic fashion, not just dipping here and there, but at least book at a time, God will regularly show you promises that will apply to you exactly where you are at in life. And as you regularly read the Bible, he'll also bring to your mind promises that you've read in the past. Now, in order to see a promise fulfilled, you must carry out the conditions of the promise. And then you must pray in faith, asking God to fulfill the promise and keep praying until you see it come to pass in your life. Promises in the Bible can apply to you personally, to your family, to our church, to our country. One famous promise that we should all be praying and claiming in this election season is 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I believe that the prayers of God's people in this country will determine the outcome of this election. We want to see God hold back evil. We want to see God release a mighty revival in our country as we pray for God to move in this election. Now, not only must we remember God's promises, we must also recount God's actions. Moving to Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. Joshua prophetically says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. And so in this chapter 24, Joshua begins to prophetically recount the history of God leading Israel, beginning with our father in the faith and Joshua's father in the faith, Abraham. Now, Abraham was an idol worshiper whom God called to leave his people and journey to the unknown land of Canaan. Abraham believed God. He followed his instructions. He left his country. He came to Canaan. Abraham continued to believe God and his faith led to the birth of Isaac, the son of promise. And the nation of Israel was born. In verse 5, the story continues, God speaking through Joshua and says, And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterwards I brought you out. And so Joshua speaks and recalls God's mighty deliverance of the people of Israel from 400 years of bondage in Egypt. God worked mighty miracles through the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea to deliver Israel from the Pharaoh. And although the people wandered in the desert for 40 years, eventually, under Joshua's leadership, they entered into the promised land. But things were not smooth sailing there either. In verse 12, the Lord speaking through Joshua continues the story. He says, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land in which you had not labored, cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. And so these two verses show God fighting for Israel through the attack of hornets on these enemies. And thus the victories of Israel over these Amorite kings was accomplished without even their weapons of war. The land and the cities that Israel received in the promised land were gifts of God. As Moses recounted God's gracious actions towards Israel in the past and leading to the present, the people of God offered their thanks. Now, God has blessed each one of us to live in the land that we live in, America. I believe we still are the most blessed country on the face of the planet. And why has America been so blessed over the centuries? It's clear that our blessing was a result of this country being founded upon sound biblical principles. And down through the years, many have sacrificed their lives to protect the freedoms of life, liberty, and religion. God has allowed us to defeat enemies, both from without and within, through his power. And yet we are aware that today, America is far from perfect. We must acknowledge that we have strayed from our dependence on God and his word. Sin is increasing at an unprecedented rate, and the church seemingly grows increasingly weaker. 
We must recount what God has done in our country through our history, as many do not even know the facts. We must recount what God has done in our own lives. And we must make a commitment for the future of serving God alone. Let's move on to verse 14, where Joshua challenges the people. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua is challenging the people of Israel for the future. They are to fear the Lord. They are to serve him faithfully. All idols must be put away and the Lord must be served alone. You see, down through the history of Israel, they, they tempted to serve the Lord and idols at the same time. But that was abhorrent to the Lord. It can't be done. The Lord must be worshipped and served alone. And so Joshua presented the people with this stark choice about whom they would serve, either the Lord alone or idols. And he makes it clear that both he himself and his family had chosen to serve the Lord. He'd done it throughout his life thus far, and he was going to do it until his last day. And yet Joshua warns the people in verse 19. He said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And so even though the Lord had done good, blessed the nation in the past, they mustn't presume on God's grace and mercy. If they turned away from the Lord and served idols, the Lord would bring judgment upon them. And ultimately that judgment would result in the people being removed from the promised land. And so Joshua challenges the people to serve the Lord God only. And how did the people respond? It says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. And so the people whom Joshua had led into the promised land, they vowed to serve the Lord alone. Joshua was a great leader and Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. Now, these words were recorded in the last days of Joshua and he soon passed away at the age of 110. The elders of Israel who had seen God's miracles in bringing Israel into Canaan and had seen the defeat of their enemies also continued to serve God. And as the leaders served God, so the people followed and served God as well. But as we continue the story in the next book, the book of Judges, where we see Israel beginning to turn away from serving the Lord. And so every person and every generation must make a choice to serve God alone. I believe God is challenging each one of us to make that same commitment this morning to serve God alone. Although we might not be aware, America is full of idols that many people serve. Many people think they are serving God, but they're also worshiping idols, which means they're not serving God alone and are not under his blessing. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so in every avenue of life, our personal life, our family, our work, our church, our relationships, our finances, our future, 
We are to seek God's kingdom first. We aren't to live to please ourselves. We don't live to fulfill our desires, but God's desires. Oftentimes, God calls us to do things for him that we don't want to do. And yet, as we submit to God's will, we are blessed. In this election season, we aren't to vote for who we like or against who we don't like. According to God's word, we must fulfill our right and responsibility to vote in our democracy. We aren't to vote for people because they look like or don't look like us. We are to vote for those who will best implement policies that advance God's church and his kingdom. How can we do that? Well, the easiest way is to simply compare the two major parties' platforms. Studies have shown that candidates closely follow those platforms when elected. Why? Because they put them together. Below the video should be a link to a comparison of the two parties' candidates and platform positions on issues that are clearly addressed by God's Word. We encourage you to vote according to biblical values and to encourage others to do the same. To not vote really isn't an option for a believer. Voting is an important aspect of serving God alone. Now today we've looked at the last words that Joshua spoke to Israel. Joshua left a godly legacy to his family and the people of Israel that is instructive for us as well. We must remember and live by God's promises to us in his word. God's purpose for our lives will only be achieved as we believe in and fulfill the conditions of his promises. We must recount and give thanks to God for his gracious actions in the past. And as we recount and remember God's past actions, it builds our faith for the present and the future. And finally, God calls us today and every day to choose to serve God alone. There are many idols that we can serve, even Many that are good things, but must not be first in our lives. We are to seek God's kingdom first, and then he will supply everything that we need. Now this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to repent and become a believer if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you've made a commitment in the past, and today you'd like to recommit your life to him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and be born again. There are three steps in the Bible to becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. The first step is A, to admit that you've sinned and turn away from that sin. It's called repentance. Second, B, believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for your sin, that you might be forgiven, and he rose from the dead three days later. Finally, C, commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's pray together. I encourage you to pray along with me. A prayer is something like this. Father, today I admit that I've done wrong things. I've sinned. And today I repent. I turn away from that sin. I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe you've risen from the dead. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's all pray together as well. Father, we thank you for teaching us from the life of Joshua how to be 
courageous leaders. We ask that you help each one of us who follow you to have the courage and joy that you have for us in this time of difficulty in our nation. May we remember your promises to us in your word. We pray that you would help us to trust your promises as we fulfill the conditions to be blessed by them. We're so thankful for the ways that you've acted in the past, for the faith heroes that we read of in the Bible, for the founders of our nation and in our own lives today. Today, we choose, we make a commitment to serve you alone, to put you and your kingdom first in every decision of our lives. In this election season, we ask that you would help us to vote according to biblical values and to encourage others to do the same. We pray that you would move hearts and votes so that the man with the most biblical policies would be elected president this November. We ask that you bring peace and revival to our country as we humble ourselves and pray that the forces of darkness would be defeated. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via a link below this video. We'll pray for you and offer you some helpful materials. You can find more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are open at 10 a.m. At our location at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield, you're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org slash give. And next Sunday, we begin a, a brand new message series, Jesus in Action, from the book of Mark, with the message, Follow Me. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.